welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode. Good morning, Jordan Kaufman. How are things in Ridgewood, New Jersey? Things are good. We are wrapping up our interviews today, Jeannie, for the Board of Ed candidates. An exciting opportunity for us to talk to all the candidates, learn a little bit more about some of their ideas and experience. And we hope our listeners have really benefited from these conversations. And we hope that they're going to make it to some of the other forums that are being planned. Um, So, uh, yeah, this is an exciting time. Um, It is. I've really learned a lot from the candidates, and I hope our listeners have too. So um, I think I'll just jump right in and introduce who we have with us today. Uh, But before I do that, let me just, um, again, thank everyone for tuning in and then remind our listeners that there's a Board of Education election on Tuesday, November the 7th. There are two board seats open, each with a three-year term, and seven community members have stepped up to compete for these seats. We're so delighted because, again, today is our last interview in this series, and so we're so happy that everyone took time to speak to us. Um, Through the course of these interviews, listeners will and have learned more about the candidates and where each one stands on the issues that affect our schools. And just to remind everyone that we asked voters to submit questions to our Ridgewood Talks email address. And so we're going to just discuss those questions and we'll expound on a couple of other things too. We want to remind listeners to attend the League of Women Voters Candidate Forum on October 18th. That's from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Ed Center on Cottage Place. And we encourage everyone to get there early because seats fill up fast. And we also want to ask people who attend to please submit questions to the candidates because that's really one of the best ways that you get to know them and hear their voice from a question that you asked of them. Uh, So right now I want to introduce our two candidates. It's uh, Malcolm Jennings and Claude Ginchard. Claude has been a resident of Ridgewood since 2020. So welcome to town. It's nice to have you here. He's been married to his wife for 39 years. They have three grown children and two grandchildren. As I said, they moved to Ridgewood in 2020 from Tuxedo Park, New York, and Claude served on the planning board and the Park Advisory Committee, which gave him experience in municipal budgets and other financial matters. He also works in the commodities and financial industry. Um, He holds uh, interdisciplinary BS from California Lutheran University and an MBA from the Thunderbird School of International Management. And what's interesting is he attended the American School Foundation in Mexico City and is bilingual in Spanish and English. His mother 
is Mexican and his father is Swiss. I have another friend with that comp composition. So it's fun to meet you. Um, I, I also just want to say that Claude is a member of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church and is active in the Upper Ridgewood Tennis Club. And Jordan, he's played tennis with you a couple of times, I think. Um, then on this same ticket is Malcolm Jennings. Malcolm has been a resident of Ridgewood for 24 years. He and his wife have three adult children who are products of the Ridgewood School District. Malcolm works in biopharma as a corporate trainer and is a member of and volunteers for Tabernacle at Harvest Church in Patterson, New Jersey. So welcome, gentlemen. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thanks, Jeannie. I wanted to point out one thing, just so you know, when you mentioned voting happens on November 7th, but you can vote by mail right now. And you can also vote early from the 28th of October all the way to the 5th of November. So that's a great voting, reminder. Thank you. Uh, voting voting already started. So you can okay, already great. Didn't mean to That's interrupt. no problem. That's that's good information to have. And you know what? I'm going to just put this caveat in there. Because I'm a traveling gal, I have not been um, getting my mail. So I don't know. I'm not, I haven't been reminded of these things, which I should have known. So I appreciate you bringing that to our attention. Um, so gentlemen, I just want to clear up a couple of things. I, a lot of people are curious about you running on the same ticket. So I want you to explain that to us. And then there was a newspaper article recently that said that you were running under the umbrella of Moms for Liberty. So I just want you to clear up that. Um, sure. You want to you take that, Malcolm? Yeah. What basically occurred uh, with me, I was asked to run uh, based on my opinions for parental rights within the state of New Jersey and what what the parental rights are um, within the school system and what's coming forth in the school system, how um, unfortunately for some families or parents where teachers and administrators are able to talk to underage youth concerning the, the narratives of gender type, and they're allowed to keep that between themselves without notifying the parents. So uh, I took it upon myself to say yes, to run for um, BOE and Ridgewood, and to ensure that families, uh, parents, single parents are able to have that right to find out, did you speak to my child concerning gender or uh, sex change or whatever the curriculums that are being taught in a lot of schools today. Unfortunately, I don't know if those type of uh, uh, curriculums, I would say, are being spoken or taught within the school system or, or is it conversational uh, amongst the children from uh, younger age up to high school. I'm not certain if that has, has occurred. I really haven't heard anything, but I know it's becoming more prevalent within New Jersey and, of course, the tri-state area here. So I decided to throw, in, uh, throw myself in on this ticket with uh, Mr. Ginchard and to move forward with that as well. And that uh, we have a common goal as well is to increase the reading scores and math scores among students. We're, we're a pro-student all the way, uh, pro-family and pro-village of Ridgewood by far, you know, bar none. And that's why we decided to come in on this ticket here. And also um, for myself personally, I believe new leadership needs to um, be in the Board of Education as well. Leadership that is uh, noted to be a service to the school districts and families in the community, as opposed to district being on the board and have a strong fist, you know what I mean, to make uh, decisions on certain things, but to make sure that the school board meetings 
are, are extremely transparent, encouraging uh, families, whether you have children in the system or not, to come to the school board meetings and to let them know we are here to service the community and make sound decisions within the school district. Claude, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm just going to mention a couple of things uh, that you said before. Um, we are bracketed. The reason why we're bracketed, too, is that we, we, got all, we solicited all of our signatures at the same time under the same forms. And so we are bracketed on on the ballot on column two, and we're the only ones that are bracketed. And, and we're bracketed under this moniker that says uh, Parental Rights Alliance or Parents' Rights Alliance, something like that. It doesn't say anything about Moms for Liberty, just so you know. <laughs> um, but um, uh, just to mention what you said about Moms for Liberty, um, we've gotten to know the New Jersey chapter of uh, Moms for Liberty. Uh, I guess it's actually probably the Bergen County uh, chapter, sorry. Uh, and um, they, they're actually wonderful people who also have uh, very much in mind this whole parental rights issue, which is really this notification. The, the right word is notification. Notification uh, of the parents by the school uh, for certain things. And, and there's, there is a, let me just say this, my wife is running for Bergen County Commissioner uh, right now, and um, I've been all over the, the uh, Bergen County with her, uh, and I have yet to hear anyone that isn't talking about parental rights. Just so you know, it's not just something that's just the two of us or something that's something that we've heard in Ridgewood. This is across the across the state, across the county, across the state and across the United States. It's a very big issue. But I know that this particular election is like all elections in New, New Jersey, nonpartisan. And we are very focused on that. And so we're just specifying the specific issue, which is parental rights the specific issue of notification. And some people will say that that's anti-LGBTQ. Um, I'm completely the opposite of that. And I know Malcolm is as well. We are, we are um, extreme. Let me say this. Um, my children can be anything they want to be. My grandchildren can be anything they want to be. And we are 1 million percent supportive of our children in any decision that they make. The only thing that we really want for our kids is that if we have them in school, we wanted the teachers to be teachers, and we are super pro-teachers. I have the most wonderful teachers in my life, and I really love my teachers. But I also want to be their, the parent. I want the parents to be the parents. I don't want the teachers to be the parents. And so, so that's the reason why we would like to have parental notification. And that's just stating how it is. It's not, not trying to be anti any type of, of gender or any type of uh, group. It's, that is just what we want. That's just that parental notification. And that's really it. So is it... I can get into a lot of the details now about the actual Board of Education, ed education and all the things that we're, we would like to do. We'd love to do that. Sure. I just want to touch on this a little bit further, um, just because I want to clarify for myself and our listeners, mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes to this parental notification, is it just about these uh, gender conversations, and that's solely what you're saying is that well, parents I, need to be in, in, in the state of New Jersey specifically. In the state of New Jersey, they've they've passed laws. So the only way that you can change this now is by you you, you can vote for us, but that doesn't change the law. The only way that you can change the laws is by changing the makeup of of your state legislature in order to make those changes if you want those laws to be changed, right? But right now there is a law currently that says that that um, the school has the right not to notify you as a parent if your child wants to communicate to the school that they are not of the gender that your parents think you are. So, um, so. Is, is part of that reason, is part of that law a civil rights issue for these underage students? Because from what 
And what the the research that I've done on this, it indicates that a lot of these children have suicidal ideation um, when they're found in these, when when they recognize that they're in this situation. And and a lot of times from what I'm reading, um, that suicidal tendencies come from uh, a rejection from their family members. So is that the reason why these students are encouraged to reach out to other adults, such as their teachers, um, for support and comfort and and acceptance because they're not getting that in in the home. Um, right. So I, you know, I, I just want to have you on help us understand of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. why yeah. you feel it's so important for these children to make sure that their parents know their quote unquote secret. Well, the 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 anti um, there is a the reason why that these laws were passed is they're they're, they're considered anti discrimination laws. Um, and and so yes, some some view protecting the L- LGBTQ or especially specifically in this ex- exact specific example, the gender gender you know transgender. They that is the one issue that is that is that has been brought, and that's the one that's being brought up in some of these lawsuits by other school districts and things like that. That specific issue. Um, but yes, that is that is what pe- that is what that's what the 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 two sides of the equation are. One is saying that yes, uh, you this is meant to protect that transgender student, and the other side of the equation is 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 parents' involvement is very very important. And so we're on the parents are very very important involvement side. We think that parents' involvement is better, not worse. And so, so yes, and I, I, I agree. Each there's a very a lot of different situations with respect to each child that may be transgender or tending towards transgender. But uh, my our, my belief, I believe our our belief as as Malcolm and myself is that parents' involvement is perhaps more important. So what one one of the things because I think this is uh this is an issue which is also kind of you know taking a little bit of the national base as well as far as the discussion, and I'm sure that voters are, are already have kind of probably created some opinions on these matters. So I think, you know, that that's something that let us let the debates and, and further conversations kind of expunge and, and create that conversation, because one of the things that we don't want to do is kind of meld national with local issues that we've got to also address. So let's let's kind of shift a little bit, because one of the things that we've talked to each candidate about is something that we've been dealing with locally, which is some of the turnover which we've had in both the superintendent and also some administrative levels, you know, whether or not uh, that's an area of concern, um, where the focus is there. We've heard a lot of different opinions. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about some of the turnover we've seen there? And also, if you could, if you can talk about how you guys uh, see the role of, uh, of the Board of Education and how it interacts with these different parts of the system. Um, well, first of all, just after reading carefully what the Board of Education, let's say, rules are for us as members, and I know there's actually a class today that we could <clears throat> potentially attend, uh, but... Um, I think it's in general for all various board of education candidates around around I guess state. Um, uh, we are our job is not to run the school, but to to make sure that the school runs well. That's the that's the job of the BOE. Uh, so so um, I, I will say this. I th- I think that what what Malcolm said before is complete and total transparency is what we we are 
offering and as part of what we would do. We think that, um, I, I know that I've heard the same things. I've heard that um, there's been a lot of changes. Yeah, so we've actually had the opportunity to speak with, you know, have, have pretty long conversations with two of the existing board members and hear sort of what's happened, uh, the ones that are not up for re-election. We know that for sure they've gone through a very extensive and excellent process of finding a new superintendent. And I know that it's taken some time to get to this point, and there's been a lot of turnover on the board. I know one thing, so many things have been different during COVID, and this board has been around you know, since those times, and there's been a lot of change since those times. Those times, it's been a very interesting time. So do I want to try to give everyone a pass because of COVID? Not necessarily, but I also do think that there are very special circumstances surrounding COVID. I do think net-net, we should be transparent. We should hold the board accountable for any type of personnel changes. Uh, we should always be, let me say this, there's one of the things that I've also read about what our job is. Our job isn't to actually get into the administration itself. We can't necessarily go in and do what the job of the superintendent. The superintendent is the person we communicate with. So we are like the community, us, superintendent. It's not like the community, us, superintendent, and the rest of the administrator and staff. We can't we can't go into that area. That's not us. We have to make the decision. We have to endorse or not endorse the decisions, vote for or not vote for the decisions that the superintendent make. But we can't go in there ourselves and do what he does. So so I would just say total transparency, uh, showing what we can do, what what we, we will be that way with the community. We will public we also have talked about this. We also want to track our progress as a BOE uh, in all matters. We want to we want to show with data I we're very data focused. I'm very data focused in my job uh, and focusing on data and really understanding where we stand relative to other schools in New Jersey, where we stand relative to other schools in the United States, and where we stand in real other schools relative to Bergen County, uh, and especially our even big competitor school, which uh, of course is the Bergen County Academies, right, which are which have been been pretty they've been pulling a lot of people, great people to the Bergen County Academy as well. So that's that's my point on that. Uh, but go ahead, Malcolm. Yeah, the Board of Ed, as Claude alluded to, is to support the actions or functions of the superintendent. Yes, we come up, I should say, the board comes up with their agendas and their set goals. And hopefully those agendas and goals are um, very, how can I say, fiscal, monetarily, and they're not going to override the budget at all. But to ensure that those uh, goals that we have are doable and sustainable for the long run. And just to put, uh, give that support to the superintendent, uh, the one that we currently have from what I've read and heard. He seems to be a very stellar superintendent. Seems to be a, a man with, uh, as I like to always say every once in a while, when you find a person like that with some wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So he seems to be very, very good at that. Seen him at work um, as far as uh, watching the BOE online. When they're in session, he seems to be a very um, uh, intellectual and um, common sense superintendent. And he seems as though he really cares for the school district, which is great. So with the Board of E, uh, with Claude and I on there, we can bring forth uh, even more support to the superintendent. We can even be able to come up with these goals and objectives that will facilitate the school district to be uh, run in a very efficient way and uh, hopefully a low-cost budget as well. Getting things done under budget or within the budget would be absolutely great. So we just want to bring in some, some new 
mindsets, some new ears, some uh, transparency and trust and to come in as leaders, leaders that are effective, leaders that serve the public, which is the main goal and to ensure that every student is going to have great success or greater success than they had their former uh, years within the school system, no matter what grade they're in, from kindergarten up to graduating, high school, leading the way into university or colleges or junior colleges, or even a, even a, a different job if they want to go into uh, being a car mechanic, you know, different trades that they may have. We want to be able to support all that. And I want to be able to, um, Claude and I, to bring in those type of uh, policies or choices. You know, everything is a traditional uh, tradition of excellence within Ridgewood High School. I almost said high school, but that's the education uh, all the way across the board. However, as you know, some of the grades have dropped in math and reading, and we want to be able to get those scores back up. You know, um, a lot of our counterparts who are running, truthfully, they have some awesome stellar backgrounds. And, and that's all well and good. However, uh, you need people on the board that are leaders who have knowledge and wisdom and understanding and can, can, can see forth what's coming, see what's coming before it happens. You know, stay alert, not just uh, with um, school board duties, but be alert what's going on within the state, outside of the state concerning schools and school boards, what's happening with the NJEA, and be able to make these decisions before things happen. So we need people like Claude and I who have that insight can see these things coming and be able to make these goals, set them, get them all, uh, uh, all the checks and balances, everything all in a row so that we can uh, move on and make this school district back to be a tradition of excellence. So um, just, just so we can kind of clarify. So in, in the way you guys answered about uh, the role of the BOE, which I think, you know, obviously uh, the, the uh, kind of handing down the management to those who actually implement have you guys had a chance to meet with Mark Schwarz yet, our uh, our no. new superintendent? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, we, we'd like to. We'd like to. We probably will. I have a question. Um, both of you bring up the transparency piece. And so I'd like to know if there is an example that you want to share with us about the lack of transparency at the Board of Education. Um, I, can, I can just say that um, what I've heard from some is that there were times when there were announcements that were made and people didn't even know that they were going to happen, you know, with respect to administration administrators or people it just it's just sort of very very there was it may have just been because they were let's say very very quick to occur but can you that, give uh, me examples I, of I, I can't I can't tell you from personal experience because I wasn't watching the board like a lot of people are like a lot of the people that were competing for in this position have definitely been let's say watching the board or being part of the board what the board is doing or in some way like the HSAs or federated or whatever they're doing they definitely are involved a lot more than us I, I just got here three years ago right so I, I'm, I'm new, new to this to this thing. But what what I would say is this: is that I could just tell you what I have been normally in my life, right? What I do every day is I structure, you know, very complex transactions, and I bring them down to very simple things that people can understand because I have to go through CEOs and CFOs and boards and, and a lot of constituents, a lot of stakeholders. That's what I do for a living every day, and uh, and that same thing that I do in my job, I will be doing here, right? I will be using my skills in in the financial structuring world and hopefully 
basically taking those budgets and really understanding what they are. But I, I, the reason I, only, I say budget, because at the end of the day, if you're going to, for example, there was a question in one of the things that I, I was on the, the, for the REA, it asked about the, the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. And they said, we want to put another person, should we have a separate person in that role? Or should we, what else should we do? I said, well, right now the, the, the board is, is wrestling with, you have inflation going up. You have a two, right now you have a 2% tax cap, right? And then you have inflation, which is much greater than 2% in a lot of different places. And how do you wrestle with all those things? How you create, you have to do trade-offs. And then now also, let's say hiring a new person, which is you know going to be an expensive item you know in a budget. Everything is money at the end of the day. How you allocate money to what things is very, very important. And also, if is there any creativity around the budget? I said this yesterday in a, at the high school. I said that, you know, we in Ridgewood, in, sorry, not in Ridgewood, but in Bergen County, Bergen County contributes 30% of the taxes to the state, uh, but it only gets back less than 2% in state funding. Uh, so we are, we are, we just really are left to our own to do everything that we do here. It's all up to us with our community, our district to come up with the best plan to make our schools the best possible schools they are, right? It's not like we're getting a lot of help from outside, right? So that's, to me, that's why you have to be creative and come up with the best, let's say the best solutions within that, within that budget that you have. And so that's, right. That's, and that's so for, from my understanding is we have a surplus right now. Is that true? Do you know about that? I have to, I'd have to look very carefully at the budget. Let me say this, that most entities, villages, you know, townships, school districts, et cetera, always have to have a reserve or some sort of reserve um, in place for what rainy day, like a rainy day issue, like a large capital project that comes up, something that's, you know, that's, that's sometimes the case. What you can't do easily is let's say, overtax and then build a reserve, build, build an excessive reserve. You can't do that. So that, that, that's my knowledge from working previously with, let's say, village boards and things like that. So, right. But, and so uh, we talked, we talked it with some other candidates. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one about the actual breakdown of our mm-hmm. taxes in Ridgewood and what percentage goes to our school district. Are you familiar with that breakdown? Uh, I'm not, I, I'm not exactly familiar with it right now, but I, but I can be in about, Yeah, well, I think if if my research has been thorough enough, it's Mm -hmm. 75% of our municipal budget goes to our schools. And then, of course, we have fixed costs. Yeah, we have fixed costs at both the municipal level and at the board level for salaries and benefits. And the benefits piece kind of fluctuates every year because there might be new insurance plans that help out. So, you know, there's really not a lot of wiggle room. As I was going to say that 75% of our municipal budget of that 75%, I think the school board only manages about 15% because there's not a lot of wiggle room after after the um, benefits and salaries and such. But I just want to jump back. Um, I, 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 by the way, I just want to say one thing about that, though. I, I think a lot of people say what you just said, which is we don't have room to make any changes. We can't we cannot be creative around. the. I'm budget. not sure I said that. I'm positive. Oh, I didn't okay, say I that, actually. I, I wasn't trying to be rude or anything. I'm just trying to say that I do think that one can look at that budget and one can understand how best to utilize that budget and really make specific changes that will affect the school in a positive way. Okay, I I do. And I also think that we have to think outside of the box about how to do some of the things that we already do, right? There's a lot of ways to do things like we we came up with a a way of improving insurance at the village level, which was we were able to, what we did there was we 
We Who's up, we? Uh, Can you help me understand well, who my, we my is? My wife is the mayor of Tuxedo Park. And so, oh, so it's uh, not the village of Ridgewood. It's another no, municipality. No, when I was there, oh, gotcha. yeah. But, but she, she was that. But I wasn't, I wasn't, at the time, I was just, I was, let's say, helping her, advising her. But what she did there was um, she was able to change the insurance policy such that it was a high deductible policy and that the, the, a portion of the deductible, the deductible portion was actually paid for by the village. And it turned out to be an excellent way of, of really lowering the budget and actually the end result was very, very positive. I'm just saying that there's ways of looking at what we're currently doing that may be better. I just, all I'm saying, that's all I'm saying. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, we have a couple of other questions that were brought in through our listeners. And one of the things is, you know, we talked about this, that there are things that are happening at the national level that are kind of making their way down to the local level. And one of those things you mentioned was DEI. You brought that up. And so then the other piece was book banning. And so we'd like to hear your thoughts on banning books or who some people believe are not appropriate for certain age groups and such. Oh, well, definitely. There, there are a lot of books out there that are sexually explicit. And I've seen the books online, per se, uh, actual videos of these books by angry parents uh, discussing the books, um, what the books show, what's the uh, the wordings in the books and what they're explaining. And they have uh, cartoon diagrams of uh, sexual behaviors that three, four, five, six, seven, eight, even, you know, high schoolers shouldn't even look at by that way. It, it's that explicit. So if those books can be banned, in my opinion, that would be a great thing to do. Because uh, what we want to focus on is the English, reading, math, history, social studies, the sciences, and all that other stuff. Let, let a child grow up as I grew up and discovering wow, you know, mom, dad, uh, what about this? And what about that? And that's where those things should be first taken care of within the families. And um, once again, getting back to parental rights, that the parents have the rights to say, I don't want my child to read these books. You want to keep them in the library? Okay, but not my child. Um, um, yeah, I, for, for me, it's, I agree that I, do, I believe in freedom, freedom of speech. but And I believe that books shouldn't be banned per se, but I do think that books should be age appropriate. So, so um, for example, I don't think we should be showing some of the two, we should not be allowing some of the books that are currently in many libraries, libraries across the United States, uh, school libraries to be allowed to be seen by a certain age children. That, that's, that's my view. It should be age appropriate viewing, not banning, but age appropriate viewing. Okay. Can you help us understand this bracket that you're in? There's only one check mark to check you. No, that's not true. That is not true. Okay. Help me understand. That, that is not true. Each, each, so there are seven people running for the school board, seven. Okay. Two of them are incumbents that are real rerunning and five new people. Of the five new people, um, there are three of them that are on, on the the row, on a row, right? And then there's one bracketed group that is Malcolm on the top row and me on the bottom row. So I'm by myself on the bottom row. A person can vote for the two of us. They can vote for one of us and somebody else. They can vote for any anyone else and not us. If you um, vote for Malcolm, who's on top, and you don't, and then you vote for someone else, you didn't vote for me. So our listeners would like to know what this board has gotten wrong. Do you want to address that? Uh, I'll let Malcolm take it first. Yeah, I think what the board has gotten wrong it, as far as issues and things of that nature are concerned, I don't think they got anything wrong. Getting it done may be what they did wrong. Not getting it done efficiently or effectively, I believe, is the um 
main reason. And the board also, I think, has gotten wrong. Just like any, no, you got three terms, or I'm sorry, three years on the board. If you get a another term of three years, I think that's great. That's awesome. But um, as we've been hearing across the board lately um, in politics, they want term limits for uh, for certain offices. You know, senator, you you have it for uh, for president. You don't have it for uh, the Supreme Court level or whatever. But term limits, I believe, is one thing the board has gotten wrong. One of the members has been sitting on a board, I believe, over 10 years. I guess that's great for her. But as far as limits and, and having new ideas come in, is I think that's where the board has gotten wrong. Maybe the people have gotten it wrong because for that, you know, I have nothing against that person whatsoever. However, that long on the board, I think you just need new members there that have uh, fresh ideas that are uh, ready to uh, hit the pavement and run with it, with these, uh, with goals that are going to be set in stone for years to come. Even if a person is there for three years, but yet you have something that established that is going to be ongoing, that's just going to produce nothing but um, the best uh, percentages of grades for the kids and making sure that buildings and grounds are intact. That's that's what we need. We need fresh information. We need fresh ideas. We need members who are ready, uh, as Claude and I are, ready to get our hands dirty, ready to be before the community, and to ask the community, this is what we're bringing forth to you. What do you think? And you have A, B, C, and D. Which one do you think will work well at your school? Now, everything may not work well with the same school. You have one high school. Okay, hopefully that will work well, whatever it may be. But you have different um, middle schools and elementary schools, and they all don't function the same. Not at all. You know, I, I was driving from Willard yesterday and near George Washington School, and I believe Benjamin Franklin as well. None of those schools have traffic lights on those roads saying that that, you know, hey, school is out or kids are in school, slow down your traffic, so forth and so on. None of those initiatives have been uh, established. That's not there and you need that for safety. And a lot of uh, current school board members, they speak about safety, but those things have not been established. They speak about safety and there are no, you know, post massacre of, of schools, you know, children in schools. Where's the security? There's no security there. So you need fresh board members like Claude and I to come and get those things established, showing, hey, the school board got it going on. We had the police coming by each school. They roll around here every 10 minutes, 10 minute cycles or something, uh, walk arounds within the school, you know, uh, police officers in or um, possibly armed security guards to ensure the safety of our students, you know, at at every level from elementary up to high school. So we need fresh board members and not those to constantly sit in a chair over and over, listen to the to the same messages, and, and they just want to establish their goals and their ideas only. And uh, okay, that's all well and good. But beyond, you know, six years of sitting there, I think it's time for, for some freshness. Even if Claude and I get in, I think six years should be enough, truthfully. For board Claude, do you have do you have anything to add to this? Um, yeah, what I was going to say is that um, I, I, I do think that we I've heard quite a few things from a lot of different people, <laughs> the parents, uh, about, you know, what could be better in the schools and what could be done and, you know, just a whole range of things. Uh, one of the things I heard was, uh, for example, that everyone 
is in order for people's children to get their grades up, they're having to pay for a lot of tutoring, like a lot of tutoring uh, out there, um, things like that. I, I, I will say, I, I do think that the role of the board is extremely important. Uh, and, um, and, I, and I do think that uh, it's our job to listen to what the community says are the major problems with the board, address them, uh, address those issues, um, identify solutions for those issues, rank those solutions and execute the best one. All right. So our last question to both of you Jeannie, is... Jeannie, can, I, Jeannie, can sure. I just go back to that? Whenever we go to the HS, uh, HSA, I like to um, tell this story. My 16-year-old um, came to live with us. She graduated in 2004. Came to live with us in Georgia, where the school systems were not the best. Matter of fact, her, her grades were like C's and D's and maybe one F. She was not doing well at all. But when she came to Ridgewood High School, before she graduated, those three years, is it? Yeah, those three years, she came when she was in the 10th grade, I believe. Those three years, her GPA just skyrocketed. All A's. And I believe that's where the tradition of excellence was at its peak and now it, it has plummeted. So uh, who's at fault there? Could it be the current board, uh, board members? I don't know what the evidence is that supports that the, the tradition of excellence has plummeted. Well, I, I had seen online where it had said that um, Ridgewood High School uh, math math and reading has gone down. I would say about, what, 20% or more. So I don't know. I haven't seen that research. That's a whole other set of issues that we can discuss and for our timing today, I think that I just, I would like to ask each of you, what would you like the community to think about when they see your name on the ballot? Claude, do you want to take that one? Uh, sure, sure. Um, uh, well, I guess uh, that's a good question, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, someone who's fair, someone who is has a lot of experience with uh, financial financial matters, uh, somebody who works extremely well with people, has a lot of, will have a lot of decorum on the board, and will also work very closely with the community and very closely with the superintendent to do this job. Malcolm? Yes, I'd like the community to know that uh, myself and Claude, that we're leaders who want to service the community, you know, within the school districts at every level, and that we are so pro-student that uh, we just want students not only to learn, but we want students to be happy. We want them to say, hey, I'm looking forward to going to school. And that's what I want them to see when they see my name and Claude's name there, that we are here to service the community, not to lord anything over them, but to service to them and to have that and that we have that humility and we have that understanding that we are working for them. Gotcha. All right. So uh, the final comment is to let our listeners know how to contact you and how to learn more about you. Are you having any meet and greets? Do you have uh, yard signs, um, websites, so on and we, so forth? We don't have yard signs right now. Um, we were we were debating whether to have yard signs or whether just to have sort of more of a, you know, a face of social media presence, uh, which we don't have a lot of right now. We do have a website, which is uh, Jennings and Ginshard for uh, RidgewoodBOE.com. And uh, we will put on there our telephone numbers. Uh, but my telephone number is 713-501-8860. And my direct email address is Claude.Ginshard at gmail.com. And anyone can reach out to me at any time for any reason. Indeed. Thanks both for 
taking the time to be with us today. And we wish you all the luck for the election. And like you mentioned at the top of the show, voting is happening right now. So you can send right. in your mail-in votes and um, you can go to the polls on Tuesday, November the 7th. All right, well, there's everybody. also early, vote, early voting from the 28th of October to the 5th of November. So there's nine places in Bergen County where you can vote early. So you don't even have to go to your polling place on the 7th. Thank Absolutely. you for that information. Both for us, Jordan and Jeannie, and everyone <laughs> out there listening on the podcast. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, you guys, yeah, take good bye, care. Jordan, bye, Thank you very take much. Care. Bye. bye. Welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode.